When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 87 237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. Great to have you with us on this Thursday afternoon on your late lunch on LMFM Radio. You're very welcome to the show. We've a packed claw over the next couple of hours or so, so let's get straight to business. Uh, People are buying generators. We've been doing a little uh, digging on this ourselves and they're walking out of suppliers. And in fact, some places can't keep up with the supplier generators. And this is all to do with the possibility of power cuts this winter time. Is it necessary? Well, our man who knows all about energy is on the line. Paul O'Reilly from myecohub.com. Welcome back to the show. Very good, Jerry. Well, good to talk to you again. And you too. Straight question. €1,800 sort of minimum and upwards for a generator. Are they necessary? Um, I don't think that they're a good solution, for, for certainly for domestic commercial businesses that maybe want to keep power going. Um, during, during a potential um, blackout, but for a domestic customer, I, I don't think it's worth the money because uh, your know, generator is going to generate electricity, and um, they're unregulated, so you get lots of surges. So they wouldn't be suitable for uh, I mean, for electronics, TVs, anything that you might want to watch. You know, normal people who use those um, kind of those generators, builders, when there's no power on the site, mm. they might use it for power tools and drills. A little surge here and there doesn't do any damage, but you know dishwashers and washing machines. A little sur- surge through those could could ruin them. So, I mean, one of the difficulties I think we may face and we may not face is when we get power cuts, they're short-term cuts. So, um, it's more it's probably more important to have some subsidiary, uh, you know, um, some candles to LED lights, battery-operated LED lights, maybe a small gas stove. Um, would probably be sufficient because there'll be short-term uh, blackouts if, if they come. Mm. Are you thinking they will? What's your gut feeling? My gut feeling is that they mightn't come. And right. the reason for that is they've been forecast even for last year. It'll be, it'll be weather dependent. I mean, if the weather is very cold and a lot of heating is used, I think, yeah, we were in danger. But if it's normal conditions, um, you know, the power companies are aware. They've got other meta. I mean, basically, what happens is between five and seven in the evening when the power usage is at a maximum, that's when it spikes and simply there mightn't be enough power in the country to generate the needs. But they have alternatives and I mean the government or standard government, the ESP networks themselves are buying generators. Mm. But the generators that they'll buy will be different to the ones you buy for 1800 euros. They'll be kind of synchronised with the electricity system. So they'll clock in to provide electricity in the event that there's a surge. The small ones that you buy in the hardware stores, um, I certainly wouldn't use it um, except for um, some heavy equipment Mm. And just because the surges they're not regulated they're not synchronised and they could do more damage to any of the electronics in the house that's a very important point to make Paul you know because people are buying them to stay connected to keep the devices going to keep the laptops on the televisions and that so damage and you also mentioned utility machines like dishwashers uh, dryers things like that a surge doesn't do anything like that any good no and I certainly wouldn't plug a, an iPhone charger into it or a laptop um, because you know these are these are small little en- diesel engines, and they they kind of they they're not synchronous, they're not they're not as fine tuned you know as the electricity system is. They're not fine as mm. fine tuned as let's say a more commercial one that you might um, 
standby generator for a hotel or for a major shopping centre. Yes. These are, you know, they'll do the job they're supposed to do, which is to run a power tool. Um, but uh, I wouldn't certainly plug a, um, an iPhone into it. Well, that surge could, could, kill the, could kill the phone. But I mean, the simpler things, there's little, for, I mean, for, for laptops and for iPhone chargers, the small battery packs that can be bought. Yes. Um, and they are more than sufficient. And for lighting, I mean, for instance, one of the uh, one of the idea for lighting uh, beyond candles, um, those garden lights that are for sale in the hardware stores, and usually at this time of year they're, they're nearly been sold off mm. because it's out of season. And those lights, you know, they're they're LED charged, so they're solar charged for gardens, mm. and um, you could have them sitting in your garden making use of them. And in the event of a power cut and a blackout, those lights can come into the house very easily, and they'll run for hours. There you go. What about that for a fantastic tip on late lunch this afternoon, folks? And you won't be destroying any of your electronic gear or anything like You are the man, Paul O'Reilly. There's no doubt about it. Every time you come on, you give us a nugget and, and more than a nugget at times. So the other thing is, you mentioned about power. The uh, ESB and electricity uh, companies are making provision with generators of their own different scale altogether. And if the wind blows, Paul, if we get a very windy uh, time, sure, our wind capacity has increased significantly to generate. It has, and I mean, this, this was, you know, we have the capacity to go beyond 40 and 50% of wind generation. Mm. Um, but obviously, in the event that the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine, yes. and one of the difficulties with, with, with the drive towards um, moving away from fossil fuels um, and removing the, 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 um, oil fire, the coal-fired burners from the system, it does leave us exposed. But this exposure was here last year, um, and not just a result of the energy price Bikes, which is a different issue altogether. Yes. Um, so that the issue of um, moving to a kind of a, a, um, a fossil fuel-free power mm. generation system was the cause. And I mean, just for the record, that you know, ESB Networks had applied, had purchased um, generators for their own use last year, but there was a difficulty with the procurement process, and they didn't use them. But they have them this year, and they will use them. Um, and they have another method of cutting, and it's really the potential for power cut is really between five and seven, and they're usually short term. It's not that the system is down, it's just that there isn't sufficient power. Yes. And they have other methods beyond the generators. They can ask large businesses to pull power, which they do. I mean, in the past, they would have gone to like the platinum cement and out of the large energy users, made a phone call and said, cut the power between five and seven. And they'd make a payment to them because there's lots, loss of production. But that would take the load off the system and allow it to be used by the, the public. Interesting, interesting. And of course, for cooking, as you mentioned, a small gas uh, application in every home, you can boil your uh, your kettle for your water and things like that as well. There are means and, and ways. So there you have it. Uh, don't panic, Mr. Mannering, is the message from Paul O'Reilly this afternoon on late lunch. Check him out, myecohub.com. Paul, thank you again for your uh, expertise and time. Not all. Good to talk to you, Jerry. Take Bye care now. of yourself. Bye-bye. MyEcoHub.com. Check him out. He's a fantastic guy and there's lots there to ponder. Let's move on because I have somebody else standing by who knows how to cut her cloth. She has for years. She's simply brilliant too. She's an Irish examiner columnist and she's a regular with us on Late Lunch. Katrina Redmond, welcome back to the show. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. And you've been uh, just catching the end, I, I hope, of Paul there talking about trying to allay the fears about power. Just as he says there about a small gas appliance for cooking, I noticed you were writing this week and you have a suggestion for food preparation should there be no power. So so the first thing I'd, I, I have to say is I love my cup of tea. I love my cups of tea. But if there's no power, if power is going to be cut in the evening or the afternoon, that's going to be a problem for me. Also, with the price of energy increasing, boiling the kettle a couple of times a day is probably not the most economical way to make it, make your cup of tea. Mm. Invest or in a thermos. If you don't already have one, most of us have thermoses here going back years. We just haven't used them in a long time. So boil your kettle in the morning, heat and fill up your thermos. Keep it sealed tightly and then you'll have plenty of hot water for your cup of tea or cup of coffee through the day. Mm. So you're only boiling the kettle once. And that hot water will keep warm for up to 12 hours, providing you keep it sealed. I use it when I'm going up and down the allotment because we've got no power down there. Yes. So then this hot water can be used for making dinners as well. There's nothing wrong with a pot noodle or heating up some couscous. You can use hot water just to make your dinner from scratch without even having to boil a pot or have a gas hob in the house. 
there you go. And you know, it's something I should have thought of because being a fisherman myself, when we drum up during the day out in an island or something, we take a break, we do fill the flask and we have it for later on and we have our teas or our coffees later. So we're just bringing that application into the house as well. The important thing I have to say, Katrina, is, and we've tested them, I'm going to come back to this, you've, you've raised something in me old head here. You've got to get the best flask you can that will keep it hot. Yeah, so definitely the thermos brand, I think, is is probably one of the best ones that you can count on. Look, they're not as expensive as you would think. Um, you can get smaller ones that just hold the one cup, or you can get the big kind of industrial-sized ones. I got mine in Tesco, um, but you can order them online from Amazon, or you can pick them up in your local hardware store as well. They are to be found. The same as um, Paul was mentioning, the individual gas yes. stovetop. The single ones. Yes. So I know because I have been researching them this week that they range in price between twenty five and thirty nine euro. They hold mini canisters, so it's not your classic large canister of LPG that we'd all be familiar with. Mm. They're they're about the same size as um, two cans of drink, and that should last you. That will keep on boiling for about five hours. So you'll definitely get a dinner and then some out of them. Yes. And um, they come in a little case. And you'll get one canister in the case. You can add the additional canisters on for between five and seven euro. And they are magical because I have to say I have a couple of them myself and I vouch for them and you are so right. Uh, and they are the alternative. The power is off, you have those as well. Now here, Katrina Redmond, that, what, you, what I saw you saying was never crossed my mind. You, you, you talk about the barbecue. Yes. The barbecue is a fantastic tool. And at this stage, most people are putting the cover on yep. and cleaning it, putting the cover on, and it's gone for the winter. But actually, you can cook to it on your round. And that's what we're going to use, the bigger canister of propane or, or butane. Most people use propane or, or patio gas, as most people would know it as. And that, you can cook your Christmas dinner on it if you want. <laughs> you can boil a kettle on it if you want to. You can, you can roast potatoes, vegetables a large lump of meat, whatever you want to. And look, as we always say, there's no such thing as bad weather, just the wrong clothes. So if it's hammering down outside, put a raincoat on. And if it's and if it's freezing cold, put an extra jumper on. And yes, you can cook outside using the barbecue. You can. I can, I'm just trying to picture the turkey sitting on the barbecue. But that's it for another time. I'm just envisaging well, that I here. Have a who does that I know, I know. Rick Cronje, our wine man, who's mad about barbecue and barbecues all the time, told me it's no bother. He can do it. And you know what I mean? Anything is possible. But there's another option as well, whatever type of barbecue uh, you have. Now, look, at in general terms in the house, you know, you are a mother, you run a home, you have a family. And of course, everybody's talking about when to wash when to put on the dishwasher, when to, uh, to uh, dry your clothes in that dryer, which incidentally is a very heavy user of electricity. Have you turned your, your thoughts to this? Yeah, so when to wash and when to, if you're going to put on the dryer. So first of all, the dryer, I think, is probably one of the largest drains of electricity in the home, apart from the fridge freezer, which actually uses up maybe a third of the electricity that you have in the home. Mm. So... The dryer does use an awful lot of energy, but there are ways around getting your clothes dry in the dryer if you don't have a washing line to use, but saving on time and energy. So the first thing I would advise people to do is to give your clothes an extra spin in the washing machine. So when your wash is finished, lash it on for an extra 10 minutes spin. That'll wring an extra 40 to 50% of water out of the clothes and they'll dry quicker no matter what way you're going to dry them. So for 10 minutes extra in the washing machine, you'll have your drying time. The next thing I'd say to you is clothes horse. Um, if you have the space in the house for a clothes horse when the weather's bad outside, once you've done that extra spin and if the heating is on, you can lash the clothes on the clothes horse and they'll dry away in the house once the heat is on or even when the heat is off. If you're concerned about the heat, you could have a plug-in dehumidifier or a, a standalone dehumidifier. There's cheaper ones that you can get for about €20 Euro in the hardware store. And that will take away the moisture in the air and help your clothes dry quicker. I pop mine inside of the shower cubicle um, or inside of the bath. So it's not cluttering up the rest of the house. And then we only have to take it out when we want to have a wash. Mm. Um, so all of these things kind of all add up. When do you do the wash? Well, it depends on whether you're on a nighttime rate or a regular standard rate. So the nighttime rate is mainly there for people who have 
storage heaters, as it happens. It's not really meant to be used for washing machines and tumble dryers in, in the night time because the fire brigade advises us that we should not leave appliances running unattended, and that includes when we go to bed. So an awful lot of people, when they're on these night rates, they put on the appliances and they go to bed, but it's actually a bit of a fire hazard. Mm. So if you're on those nighttime rates, you'd want to be getting up early in the morning to put the washing machine on or staying up late at night until it's finished. Yes. Good um, advice. Good advice. Yeah. 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 So, so like, really, it, it depends on what rate you're on. And then you're going to make both of the time that you're in. Mm. Hopefully, they're going to introduce time of use rates, which will mean that they'll be discouraging us from using all of our appliances between five and seven o'clock in the afternoon. Um, sorry, sorry, the evening. <laughs> so, so what? So, for people who work outside of the home, that's pretty awful time for cooking dinner and, you know, arriving home and then having to wait until after seven o'clock to cook a dinner or to boil a kettle. Mm. And that's where having something like a slow cooker on a timer comes in. You can set the slow cooker in the morning, put your dinner in it, you can set it to finish at five o'clock and then it, it should stay warm so long as the lid is on all the way up until seven o'clock. So your dinner will still be warm even if the power is off. Um, Love and at home... You know, and you're cooking your dinner. Yeah. And the power is, and you are based at home, and the power is going to be on at five o'clock, but you still want to dish up at six. Towels and blankets are your friends. Now, you'll hear loads of people talking about these fan dangled pot warmers and all of that. Towels and blankets. Once your food is cooked, wrap it in tin foil and wrap it with towels and blankets. And that'll keep your food warm for hours. Well, back to the turkey. How do I keep them warm at uh, Christmas time? I leave them for an hour, an hour and a half after he comes out of the oven, wrapped in the foil, wrapped in the towels, and he's absolutely perfect. This is it. You're, all you're doing is insulating your food. Yes. It's a lagging jacket on your hot water cylinder. <laughs> yeah. That's all you're doing. You know? A little voice has just said in my ear, you know who that little voice is. Uh, half price at the moment, the clothes horse in home store and more. Because when they're gone, they're gone, as they say. So there's just a little... Uh, well, where would you be going? Yeah. Like, I mean, for that price, it's, 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 it's worth the investment. Yes. yes. Like, running the tumble dryer can cost you up to two euro a day. Mm. So if you're buying the clothes horse for that price in home store and more, well, then you're earning the money back yes. in less than half a month. Go and get it. Listen, Katrina, I have to leave it there today, but I want to tell our listeners, you've got to read this woman in the Irish Examiner this coming weekend because she's going to be in there with a huge uh, piece on all of this whole area about saving on costs at home. And we'll be back to you, I promise you, on that one. Katrina, you're a star. Thanks. My next guest uh, has been with us in the past to talk about mini breaks here in Ireland, but he's back today with a different hat on entirely. Dave Hewitt, good to talk to you again on late lunch. Uh, Jerry, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. Yeah, normally I'm I'm, I'm bringing joy yeah. to, the, to your 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 listeners there with lovely uh, weekend hotel breaks and midweek breaks and stuff like that. But yeah, we 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 get there again. Yes, we will, and I I promise you we will do that. But today it's your sporting hat on, and I just want to tell listeners you've been involved in coaching soccer coaching for thirty years. Uh, you have three daughters, and is it women's football, girls' football, primarily primarily you're involved with? It is, yeah. I, I have three girls. The eldest is uh, 25 now. She never played sport. She was a hip-hop dancer. Uh, the other two, one is 17 and one is 13. Uh, they both play for uh, Ballarat GBFC uh, in Navan. And, uh, yeah, I've been coaching uh, a long time and primarily I look after the, the girls' soccer. And uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why I'm on. And thanks for having me on, Jerry. Uh, first and foremost, uh, anyone that knows me that's involved with the club or any of the, the parents that... Uh, the kids play with me uh, will we'll, we'll tell you one thing about me uh, literally it, it's all about the kids you know and mm. I have a general gen, genuine concern uh, for the kids not only how they're getting on in the sport but their general welfare and what, I, what I've what looked at over the last couple of years and it's, it's it's been eaten away at me and just a while ago I said I'd do something about it and I hadn't at the time and energy but you know, I, I feel it's come to a point now because uh, a lot of the kids, and we, we, we talk about the girls primarily because that's, that's my, my end of yes. the girls. I think there's over 160, 170 girls in the club along with over uh, 200 boys. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, the kids, you know, a lot of the kids have been coming up to training uh, and, you know, they've been itching to get away or some haven't been coming up to training because of the dreaded homework 
Uh, and this is something that I've been wanting to look into for a long time, as I said. Uh, I feel that the kids are being put under unnecessary pressure uh, to do homework. And it's affecting their, their not only their, 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 their soccer, uh, it's affecting their uh, activities outside of school. Uh, and when I say activities, Jerry, very, very important activities for their mental health also. Uh, sporting activities, dancing, the whole lot. Uh, I've, I've heard it uh, week in, week out, uh, you know, from parents as well. Sorry, you know, she can't come training tonight. Too much homework. Uh, and that's, the, 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 I'm starting a little campaign, Jerry, on, on this. And I'm only starting it now. And the reason why I'm on here today is, is I'd like to, you know, hear people's opinions on it first and foremost, whether you agree, whether you disagree and so on and so forth. Mm. And I've set up a, a, a social media Facebook page that uh, if, if, if people can give it a like and, um, you know, maybe give, give some view, views on it as well. Uh, the Facebook page is called Sport Over Homework. Uh, I've recently set that up and uh, I'd be interested in making contact with uh, teachers, uh, politicians, parents, uh, you know, uh, people who play sport, um, you know, anybody that, who can give, a, you know, an indication of, you know, anything that would be good or bad for, for, for these kids. Uh, I've done a little bit of research on, on the Jerry, and uh, there's a, there's a, I, I put a, on, on that Facebook page, I put a very int- a link to a very interesting article uh, about how, uh, about schooling in Finland uh, and the no homework system they have over, have over there. And within, if your if your listeners, uh, you know, care to have a look at that, just log on to the or, or like the page Sport Over Homework. And there's a really, really interesting art, article that's done by the organize, organization for economic cooperation and development. They've come to the conclusion, and I quote, that the more time students spend on homework, the worse they perform in school. Really, huge. Now, as I said, and I've been delving into this. The more I delve into it the more, you know, I'm kind of proven right, you know. Yes. Now, one of the reasons why I'm on here is a number of weeks ago in training, we, we, we had a chat with the girls. And what what I do is, um, usually it probably is with, with, with other clubs, I train all age groups together. Mm. Uh, from a certain age right up to seniors. Train them all together. I think it gives it, it instills in them they're part of a club and they're not just part of a team, yes. uh, which is very, very important. Uh, and, you know, they, they they learn from the older girls as well. So it has its benefits. But I had got them all together and we spoke about this uh, briefly. And uh, I promised them, because uh, I, I asked them out straight, is, is homework affecting, you know, you coming to sport? And they said, yeah, it is. You know, because basically... They've too much homework. They come to sport, and you know it's still on their mind for them to go home and do the homework. Mm. And that I feel is an unnecessary pressure. Now you mentioned right. Finland. Just stop there for a second. Yes. Finland. I take it that the Finns aren't less intelligent or haven't achieved less than any other nation in the world. Would they put more emphasis on the physical side of things and less on hours and hours of study and homework? Absolutely. If you read the article. Even the school process uh, is, 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 is less. They have uh, smaller classes, which is, you know, very difficult to do in this country, as mm. we know. They've, they've, the class times are less. Uh, they, they focus on, uh, on fun learning, uh, which is what it should be, you know, because I feel with homework, homework is, is a chore, OK, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you ask a child to, to clean our bedroom. That's a chore. Mm. The same with homework. As I said, I have two, two kids in school at the moment and they come home from school um, they grab a bit of dinner and they're upstairs doing their homework and it's kind of, oh, bloody homework, oh, not homework again. You know, yes. you know, homework should be, I, I don't know, I, I, it, it should be a little bit more uh, relaxed uh, in this country. Um, you know, yes. recently we, we had the, 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 the girls in the Leaving Cert and getting their points and their, their CAO and stuff like that. Again, that's a, that's another thing. That that's another pressure on the kids. Mm. Every year, you know, the pressure to get points and so on and so forth, uh, and the emphasis gone from um, from physical uh, physical uh, activities outside of school. And as I said, I I, I I've been in my bonnet about it the last number mm. of years, and now um, 
I've decided to, to do something about Good it. Good on you. Good on you. And I just want to remind people, the Facebook page, if you're listening to us today, go and check it if you're near a device or whatever. Sport over homework. Sport over homework on Facebook. And what do you what do you make of what uh, we're hearing today from Dave Hewitt? Have you anything to say about it, about the whole homework thing? Now, I know we're only, say, a month back nearly now. Well, we will be in a, a week or two into the new term. But you can reflect on uh, last term as well, before the summer break. What do you think about the homework? Have you a view on this? Do you agree with Dave? Have you seen this yourself in your family? Or have you another thought process altogether? 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. That's 086-1800-658. So what you're basically saying is that you're seeing from the girls that you look after that they feel they have to actually, something has to give. So it is the sporting end of things. They've got to do all this homework. They've got to commit the time to it. And I suppose, Dave, I'm just sitting here thinking when we had this COVID situation for almost two years, well, sport was quite restricted and there was mm-hmm. a big worry that, you know, young people, everybody wasn't getting enough exercise. Jerry, 100%. I was just about to touch on that as well. Like, you know, look what we've been through. Look what the kids have been through. We're adults. We, you know, we, we can handle it. We're used to handling pressure. Pressure shouldn't be a word, uh, you know, when, when you're a certain age, because as we know, uh, you know, you come out of school, if you go to college or get a job, whatever, that's when the pressure starts. Get a house, that's when the pressure starts. You get a car, we have all bills. Pressure, kids, pressure. They, should, they, they, they shouldn't be in there, uh, in their vocabulary pressure. And, but you know, what they, you, know what they'll say, you know what they'll say, and this is what the way it is, they'll say, and, and, and you're right, it is all pressure. And, and really, you should have a childhood. You should have a youth that you can grow up free of, of pressure, as you say. There's an age when you take the strain on the rope. I couldn't agree with you more. But, you know, they'll say, well, you know, the pressure comes from, you know, others who are studying like mad, chasing that points, looking for the positions in university. And if we don't do it, well, we're going to be left behind. You need really, I see what you're at, but you need everybody to buy into this, wouldn't you? Yeah, look, it, it looks, some say it's an impossible task. Mm. But if I can improve a point like a small percentage, you know, I, I'd be happy with that, you know. Yeah. If you take uh, COVID, Jerry, and, and look, look what happened. Uh, you know, two years of kids' lives were basically taken away. Two years of kids' socialising were taken away. And now they were, we're back now and we're back to conforming with homework and all the bits that go with it. Like I said to my teenager tonight, you know, uh, and she said, Dad, this is stupid. What are you starting this campaign for? It's ridiculous. She was embarrassed by it. But the, the reason why, she said, she actually said to me, I, I need homework, okay? If I don't have homework, I won't learn. Now, if you, if you listen to that statement, if I don't get homework, I won't learn. Learning should be in the school. And I'm not knocking the teachers here, but basically the teachers are paid to teach the kids to, to, to learn them, you know, what, what they need to know about the subject. And as I said, homework should be a little bit, you know, slight revision. That's all it should be. Mm. Um, and and, and as the, the, the kids, like, she, she has never, uh, she's in, her, in sixth year now, but she has never known school. In fact, any of the kids have never known school without homework. Yes. It's just, it's just like, you know, the usual, we, we, you know, we, we, we leave school, we go to college, we get a job, we meet a partner, we get married, we have kids, we have the car. That's like just conforming with what everybody else does. And I think, as I said, what we should do is we, we really should stop and think and look at the pressure that the parents, um, the schools, you know, so life in general yes. are putting on these kids. Jerry, very quickly, when I was younger, I went to school, I did my leave insert, I played football. I can guarantee you, I can't remember these pressures from the 80s. Mm. Guarantee you. No. Tough times yeah. in the 80s, you know, where yes. family, like, you know, with, with unemployment uh, yep. back in the recession back then. Uh, but that, that didn't bother me as a kid mm. because, I, you know, I, 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 was, I was in school learning, um, you know, I did my homework, whatever I had to do, but there wasn't tons of it. Uh, one more thing as well, that the, 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 what has taken over is obviously social media, uh, phones. All the kids have the phones nowadays. The only time they don't use the phones, if you think about it, the only time they don't have them is when they're in school, for obvious reasons, they, they, you know, they're, they're, yes. they're, they're learning in there, but also when they're playing sports. And they're two critical uh, things. I'm not saying the school is, is not important in their lives. Absolutely 100% important. But so is sport. And as I said, two times they don't use social media is when they're training for an hour and a half and they're playing a match for an hour and a half of the weekend. Yeah, and you and know, you, you you say something there and, and it's sort of dawned on me, really. There's enough time spent in school in the classroom to learn. 
Mm-hmm. Now, maybe I'm, you know, uh, offside a little bit here with this, but when you think of it, and right, there may be follow-up at home, but not hours upon hours. Listen to this. No. Here's a message just popped into my inbox. I 100% agree with that gentleman. My mother never agreed with homework. Neither do I. I don't make my children do homework. And they are doing absolutely fine, Jerry, in school. And I can tell you this, they're happier kids. 100%. Please, people, sport over homework. Read their articles, small articles, not even long. It'll take you five minutes to read it on the, uh, the Finland education system. It'll change a lot of your minds. Here's, they're popping in here as we're speaking. I'll read this other one to you just uh, arrived. 086-1800-658. What do you feel about homework, folks? What do you feel uh, about the situation? Let us know. We want to hear from you. Listen to this one. Um, another one says, I absolutely agree with Dave who speaking about homework today. And he is right when he speaks about pressure on kids these days. Their family life and home time is impacted by homework. Sport is often lost due to these pressures. It's very hard on parents to balance it all, Jerry. Now, that's another view there as well. I'm going to mention the Facebook page, Sport Over Homework. It's on Facebook, this page, Sport Over Homework. And Dave would be delighted to hear from you. I'm going to leave it there today. I promise you, I'll be back to this. Yeah, you're very good. As always, brilliant talking to you. You too. Take and, care. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Take care, Dave. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Keep the comments coming. 086-1800-658. After the break, we're going straight into Burke's banter. And today, she's talking about the death of a neighbour. It's always fascinating when something big is happening with the neighbours. Being able to watch all the comings and goings from a safe distance. It can be hard to resist witnessing the carry-on of some of them while remaining discreetly hidden behind our curtains. Obviously, weddings are the best value when it comes to judging the style on offer. But for drama, hyperbole and unchecked emotions, there's nothing quite like a big funeral. The ceremony, rhetoric and general pomp surrounding the recent demise of Amban Rielish has been both compelling and puzzling to watch from the safety of our Republican homes. The body language experts analysing who hates who the most when, to be honest, it just looks like wealthy people wearing black walking alongside each other. The speculation on which VIP will get an invite to the funeral and what will it mean if they don't. And my favourite element so far, the historians, plucked from the dusty corner of some ancient and hallowed college library, blinking and stuttering in a gaze of a spotlight they never in their wildest dreams thought would be directed at them. Some have really lost the run of themselves. My best bit so far has been listening to one such expert explain in a sober tone that some people hold with the belief the physical touch of a royal can induce physical or spiritual healing in a body. I can think of one prince who might need that for the defence sometime in the future. Weirdly, as a confirmed Republican family, we find ourselves a little bit more invested than we expected to be in the recent events across the water. A week before the death of Elizabeth II, we were in Buckingham Palace. A family wedding had brought us to London, and as we are an incurably nosy family, the chance to poke around Buck House was too hard to resist. Only my dad, not trusting himself to put 700 years of oppression to the back of his mind for an hour, refused to cross the royal threshold and held a solitary and somewhat suspicious watchful position from outside the Irish embassy around the corner. The rest of us had no such scruples and, overcome with curiosity, joined the crowds of Americans and day-tripping pensioners to amble around what seemed to be a series of good sitting rooms. Each one had unfathomably clean white carpets. All credit to the late Liz. She must have spent an awful lot of money on bottles of 1001. The tour is basically, here are some crowns that may or may not be made of blood diamonds. Look at this golden piano. This is what a Rembrandt actually looks like in real life. The ballroom is smaller than the function room in the Ardboyne, and Mr Burke was shocked at the state of the grass out the back. My mother, demonstrating the expertise 20 years of working in Woody's has given her, noted that some of the paintwork needed attention. But all in all, 
if you viewed it as just another museum of a past age with beautiful items of questionable provenance, then it's a fairly pleasant way to spend an hour. But how strange it must be to live in a museum. What sort of unnatural closeted existence it is. To have thousands of people march through your houses, casting a critical eye on the curtains and then bang tea towels with your face on them from the wooden shed at the bottom of your badly mown garden. It must be a half-life being a British royal, living in a gilded goldfish bowl, and as much a commercial attraction as the royal family exhibit in Madame Tussauds, only relevant and financed for as long as people want to pay to see you. No fighting, no fighting, no fighting, no fighting. No fighting. Thanks to Sinead Burke for a banter just before Shakira there with the hips, don't lie. Dave Hewitt has struck a chord with you today, folks, and the homework. My children are doing clubs after school organised by the teachers. It's 30 euro pair club, active club, Lego club, art club. They love them, yet they still have to go home afterwards and do their homework, Jerry. Homework, says another listener. No need for it. Only spelling and tables. They should be doing enough in class. It takes too much time when parents are working and goes on late into the evening. Another one. That man Dave is 500% correct about homework. The children's brains are warped with all day and all they have to take in. It never ends. And they only remember so much anyway, Jerry. My son used to crack up with the homework. Why have I to do it, he'd say, when I have it all day? He did okay in life, and as my old maths teacher once said, education happens outside school, says Joan. Another one, I agree 100%. My nephew has sensory issues, and he spends ages crying and stressing over homework and unnecessary rousecore. The day presents enough challenges for him without this evening taking over as well his evening taking over as well thank you indeed and there's more there we will come back to this don't forget Dave's Facebook page Sport Over Homework check it out and tell him what you feel about it almost a year ago at this stage in fact on the 28th of September 2021 Eileen Rush died and there was an enormous outpouring of grief and sympathy for her and her family because her story, well it's well known to a lot of you here on Late Lunch because I spoke to Eileen a number of times during her journey, her cancer journey which sadly ultimately ended with her death. I'm joined on the line by her sister Siobhan Gibbons as we approach her first anniversary. Siobhan, thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Not at all. You're very welcome. Well, a year. Can you believe that year has gone by? It's been really, really quick. How are you all doing? I suppose for the most part, okay. But I don't know if it's safe anybody just yet. So I think that's we're still trying to navigate life without her. And I think you know it's one of those things that nobody nobody wants to be in this club. But unfortunately, we're in it, and we just have to figure it out as, as each day comes. I guess. Around the time of her passing, the never-ending streams of people, all of the sympathy and all that goes with that time and for a wee while afterwards. But then it dies down and you're left with your own thoughts and feelings at that stage. That's a difficult thing to deal with. Yeah, it is. And I suppose you're pretty worn that like when the funeral or the month's mind or, you know, as, t- as time goes on, it's less frequent that people, I suppose, check in. But I don't know if I've necessarily found that or, or my family. Um, I suppose she just has such a big personality. I, I often say to my cousins, I wish she nearly didn't. I wish she was someone that didn't have an impact on us or, or that we didn't care too much about because it might be that bit easier. But because she had such a, a huge impact on, on so many people, I guess, we're lucky because it keeps her memory alive and people are continuously checking in and and maybe that will eventually fade away. But as, as it stands, it's still very much like it only happened yesterday, be it in the butchers, in town, wherever you go, whoever you run into, there's always, you know, someone telling us a story or just checking in or, you know, how's mom, how's dad, how are you? So how shameless more more to the point than any of us. So it is, I think, and that just shows our community really and, and, and the legacy she left behind. It's great to hear that, that it is that situation because she was a big character. She was larger than life. Her story impacted on so many and she wanted her legacy to be that it would highlight this whole issue that she had to deal with unexpectedly in her life. And she is an icon for many people. That must be tremendous to reflect upon. 
Yeah, I think it's it's quite bizarre because I suppose, as you all know, I was very much her, her sidekick or, or, or in her shadow all the time. And she's always, come on the radio or do this, do that with me. And I wouldn't. And I suppose I heard and I read and I spoke and I laughed and I saw everything she did. But until she died, I don't think I actually realised the gravity of what she'd done. The letters that came, the posts, the people from genuinely all over the world. Like I, ha- I had a message from a girl in Canada that once met me when I lived there to say she'd followed my sister's journey and she got a smear and subsequently, you know, prevented her from, from having cancer, from mothers all over the world had decided to change their, their minds in regards to the HPV vaccine. And, and that was all down to Eileen. And I suppose I didn't know that. I knew she had a blog and I knew what she was doing and I, I knew people followed. But until she actually passed, like whatever about me, but my mom and dad were just, I think that got them through. They're just so proud of her and so, so proud. And all, I'm sure she said, said it on, on your radio station. All she wanted was Seamus to be proud. And I know he will be when the time is right for him to maybe look back and read and listen and all of that. But yeah, it's crazy what she actually did when you think about it. How is Seamus? He's a teenager. He's 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 16 in, in a few short weeks, which, you know, I think his mom was two weeks dead and he turned 15. So... It's hard to know. He's, he's under the care of my mum and dad, who I suppose they've done it five times already, so they're doing a, a great job. But God, how is any child really with, without a parent, both parents, you know? So he's, he's, he's loved and we know he knows that, but it's hard to know. It's hard to know with any teenager how they are, never mind a teenager bedridden in grief, you know? And as you say, he has lost both of his parents as well. Does he ever talk about her or does it come up in conversation? And I know you say, what you say there is very true of every teen. It's hard to get talk out of them at times. He does. You know, he he has an Apple Watch and he has the... I actually he got one myself recently and I was like, oh, that's so interesting. He's all his screensavers, a different picture of himself and herself for it. You know, if we bring her up... Every time I'm with him, I, I bring her up and he would talk back or he would tell a funny story or he you know depending on the mood but the depths of it and the ins and outs no he doesn't really go into that and I, I don't know will he ever or you know when the time is right and I just hope some someday he manages to to you know I don't know reflect on it and, and navigate it but again it's hard you know that it's, it's his journey and unfortunately in a way he isn't nine or ten we can only do what we can do but he's still very much his own person you know so he needs to figure it out himself and all he can do is take guidance from mom and dad or myself and my brothers and go from there. Eileen herself hadn't a bitter bone in her body she never complained she never pointed the finger of blame at anybody you as her sister and her family how do you feel do you ever feel angry that there was a total mess up with her diagnosis? Yeah, I think that comes and goes. I think we've all rode the train at one point or another. And yeah, definitely, I'd, I'd say maybe more so myself, but it's not really doing any good, is it? So I think sometimes it's easier to, to, to point a finger or to have been than to accept what you're really feeling or to accept that she's gone. But, you know, it is lousy. It's it's rubbish. It's happened. It shouldn't have. But if she was here, she'd just tell us to get on with it. So it's, it's, we have to. And that's part and part. So she didn't. She didn't point finger, fingers and... Even the only reason she ever found out that there was such a mess up is because she wanted to be sure she didn't mess up. And and that's what drove that, which is mad. I, I went to the first I suppose, solicitor's meeting with her and everything. And at the time, it was very well and clear that it, it wasn't her fault. But I don't think she ever expected the extremity of how much there was a, a misjudgment made. But like she she just is or was the most positive person and and. She just didn't see the point. She didn't see the point in any of it. It didn't get her get her anywhere. So that's what I have to tell myself. But yeah, there is obviously days that, you know, she should be here and it's it, 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 it's stupid and silly that she isn't, you know. It, it makes no sense. But then neither of those people getting knocked down by a bus or whatever, you know, life throws at you. So you just have to get on with this. You're all very philosophical, I have to say, in that family of yours. You really are. But, you know, the other thing was, and she always maintained it, and she made a point any time she spoke to me to encourage people to go and have the smear test done. She was never, ever shying away from that point. And also the HPV vaccination to have that done as well. She always hammered home those messages. Yeah, whatever way she put them across, she did it funnily. And, yeah, she made a bit of crack out of it and check your bits. And, you know, like... 
they're the things we look back and laugh at because she even managed to make that lighthearted but very effective. And as I said, it started, I suppose, people, people listened and people actioned and that's all she wanted. And my parents are proud, but I'm extremely proud. And even on the most rubbish days, I wake up and think, what's today about? I just think, oh, she'd have done anything for one more day in this earth. Just put your two feet outside that bed and keep going. And you have to. And I know that's like, I, it's taken me a while, but I really do think she's with us. And I have to just, find a way to believe that and keep going and believe she's with me and the boys and Seamus and mum and dad and that's all we can do Indeed it is Siobhan you probably know this anyway she's with us still on late lunch on LMFM radio because her story Farewell Eileen has been shortlisted for a national radio award and we're heading to Kilkenny on the 7th of October full of hope for her we'd love to we'd love (laughs) it to happen we'd love it to happen for her me too it's her birthday week as well oh my god she would have been 37 so you know yeah I yeah it's uh, I really hope you do it and we're, I couldn't believe it when Louise messaged and I know Natalie Kelly reached out to mum and it's just huge and we were at a family a family wedding there and I suppose she was so so missed but we're all so proud and to be able to tell anyone and everyone that I listen to us and she says thanks to you for that so hopefully hopefully you do it fingers crossed well, fingers crossed, but to receive the nomination is wonderful in its own right. And then whatever happens beyond that, well, it's in the lap of the gods. Siobhan, exactly. it's almost a year on the 28th yeah. of September and we remember her fondly and always will, the wonderful Eileen Rush. We think of you and your family and Seamus especially at this time coming up, the one year anniversary and may God take care of you all. Yeah, thanks, Sherry. Thanks very much. Best of luck. What a lovely lady Siobhan Gibbons is and we will never ever forget the uh, woman that was Eileen Rush. The homework issue is rolling along on late lunch. My school, my son's school teacher Jerry, in fourth class called all parents into the class one day and told them if your child is doing homework any longer than 20 minutes a night it's too long. And uh, that teacher uh, has gone on to become principal of that school a brilliant brilliant teacher indeed just shows you Jerry. and there's more there besides we'll come back to them I promise you Heather Oaks has music schools in Drogheda and Dundalk there are 12 highly skilled teachers and over 200 children attend but she has a wee problem we're going to talk about for the next while on the show hello Heather Hi how are you Jerry? I'm good thanks for joining me when did you set the schools up? We started in 2017. And everything motoring along lovely until the world uh, experienced COVID, of course. And and that was a big blow to you, I'd say. You had to close over the COVID lockdowns? Well, COVID, we actually went straight online. Right. Um, we we did lose quite a few people doing that, but we, we also gained a few students who were interested in taking remotely. Good stuff. So, you see, there's always a, a silver lining on every cloud, as they say. Um, what, what, what do you teach? What, what range of instruments? Well, I teach violin myself, and we have piano, violin, fiddle, guitar, ukulele, electric bass, drums, singing, and cello. That's an orchestra you're teaching, to be honest, <laughs> isn't it, really, when you put it like that to me? Anyway, all going well, Fian, the schools are busy. And, of course, you've been trying to do your bit for the Ukrainian refugees who've come to Ireland. Tell us about this. Yeah, so we had a few Ukrainian families approach us once they had arrived here, um, and they were looking for music lessons. Some of them were just looking for instruments because they had to leave instruments behind. Hmm. So they here with nothing. They were doing music back home, no instruments, and looking for somewhere to pick up on the lessons as well. How many have you been looking after, roughly, between the two schools? I'd say between the two schools, probably about a dozen. Lovely. Okay, so a dozen children uh, in a strange place trying to find their feet and music, the common bond, isn't it? The common bond between anywhere in the world. Yeah, it's a universal language. Yes, it is indeed. So you you have, have have twelve with you now. It of course it costs because they have to be taught. They have to get their instruments. You have your schools to keep lit and heated and open as well. So how have you been managing money wise? Well, when we first 
started to try to help in spring, we opened a fundraiser just to cover the couple of families that had approached us in time for the rest of the term. Now, we provided instruments. Um, There's a great Facebook group called, I'll just give a shout out, The Gift of Music to Ukrainians. And there's a few of us in there sourcing instruments from around the country and getting them to where the kids need them. So I worked with them and I worked with some of the the rental stock that we had and just got everyone instruments to begin with. Um, But then our teachers needed to be paid for their time. I Mm. mean, post-COVID, they've had two years of very few gigs. They're all music professionals and, you know, I couldn't ask them to volunteer their time. So we opened the Wee Fundraiser and we managed to raise enough to subsidize the lessons for the kids until we broke for summer. Okay. What 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 do you need for a term? Uh, I, I presume. Do you go with the school terms with the with the music school, or is it different? Yeah. So we go from September to December, and then January to May, and then we have an optional summer term where we okay. do camps and performance programs and things. So what are you talking about? How much of a subsidy does a child take to be taught for a term? Let's say this term now, September to Christmas. This term now, well, you see, we have families that are looking for multiple kids. So I'm my goal is to cover a family for a term. Um, and it's about 100 to cover a family for a month. So it's about 400 per term. OK, per family. And you have 12. So, you know, you're talking about nearly five grand, four, eight. If you talk uh, in euros, 4,800 to cover the 12. And you've made an appeal to, to for assistance here. Yeah, we've just started with a really small appeal. We we thought we'd open and see if if anyone could could do a couple of quid, cost of a coffee, up to maybe five hundred. Um, this is the first fundraiser we've actually opened where there was no response. It was bizarre. In the spring, everyone was really interested. They were really supportive. Um, I think back to school is hitting families too hard. To, to have spare change at the minute. So we thought we might try to widen the appeal to the the greater public, you know, so we're not just talking to our own communities here and families that are already stretched, but maybe someone who's sitting around wondering how they can help actual, you know, Ukrainian kids actually looking for, for some way to connect better with a culture where they may be resettling. And, and this is one way they can do that. So... A sign of the times with the squeeze on everybody and what's ahead and people fearful, the donations have completely dried up. And as you said, you went to your own, uh, you know, your own community people last time and and it worked there. So you're with me today. You have quite a large audience listening to you now. Where can people go if they're listening today and they'd like to do something for these Ukrainian children to support you? Yeah, if they'd like to get in touch, um, there's a link up on our Facebook and our Instagram, Grow Music, um, G-R-O-W Music, M-U-S-I-C. Um, and we, if you look on the platform I Donate, which is an all-Irish company, um, that's where our fundraising link is as well. It's just called Music for Ukraine. So Grow Music is where you'll find it. That's the, the, the way in to, to get in there and, and help support. That's it. Or they can look on my own Facebook, um, Heather Heather Beckett Oaks as well. Okay, so there are, there are many mechanisms there to help. God, I hope you get a response to this because you're doing real good. You really are. And you're helping people, as I said, far from home who are trying to put down roots in a strange place. And music is what they know and what you know and other people know as well. It's not easy. And and, uh, you'll find, Heather, that it's uh, a scenario that has affected others as well who are trying to get a few pounds together. But I wish you well. And I hope that this, you know, raises the hair with somebody out there today that may come along and help you. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thanks a million, Jerry. Take care, Heather. Up after three, Artist of the Week and Drahada Classical. Ah, Jerry, I was only looking at Eileen's name in my calendar this morning. Hard to believe it's been a year. She was so lovely. I've never forgotten her. I never will. I know she's resting with the angels. God love Seamus. That comes in from Christine in Kells this afternoon. Yes, Eileen, we remembered her a little bit earlier on in the show with our sister. Jerry, the uh, the um, feature I had earlier on with Dave Hewitt about exercise homework against exercise physical, where Dave is questioning this. The secondary school children spend about six and a half hours in school, Monday to Friday, learning, and they come home and are expected to spend another three to four hours doing homework, Jerry. My daughter goes to bed at 1am because she has to complete her homework before the next day. 
and she gets homework from five subjects. When she wakes up the next morning, she has a headache and is exhausted from lack of sleep. That's too much. That's far too much. That's ridiculous, to be honest with you. Anyway, check out Dave's page on Facebook, Sport Over Homework, and you can contribute. He wants to hear from you on that page. And we're going to hear this now on Late Lunch. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. It is Dolly Parton this weekend. Throughout the 80s, her music retained its popularity and record sales remained strong. But when her contract with RCA expired in 1987, she moved labels to Columbia Records. Moving on into the 90s, and she teamed up with Linda Ronstadt and Emmylou Harris on a couple of really successful albums. And her re-recording of I Will Always Love You with Vince Gill, which I played yesterday, won the Country Music Association's Vocal Event of the Year Award in 1995. In the late 90s and into the noughties, she recorded a series of bluegrass-inspired albums, two of which won Dolly Grammy Awards. In 2007, she set up her own record label, it's a great one, called Dolly Records, where she continues to record and release her music today. And yes, in June 2014, Dolly did Glastonbury, where 180,000 people went wild for her back catalogue of songs. So let's zip back to the movies, when Dolly adorned the silver screen in the company of Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlinson. Here she is with the movie's theme song. Yeah, Dolly Parton, my artist of the week, and the theme song from the movie 9 to 5, which I remember queuing up to get a ticket for and go and see in the Abbey Cinema in Drogheda when it was released many, many moons ago. Nothing like the queues I'm looking at on television here in London to see the Queen. Oh my word, it's incredible. It really, really is. And we'll go on non-stop until the early hours of next Monday morning on the day of her funeral. I have to say it's forged a particular niche for itself in the entertainment calendar of the North East. I'm talking about the Drogheda Classical Music Series and it's back with four concerts before Christmas and four in the spring of the year. And I am delighted to welcome the woman who makes it all happen. Back to studio and late lunch, Pauline Ashwood. I can't believe you're here. (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same, Jerry. It's great to be back in every sense. In every sense, because, you know, our situation here, but your situation. My word, I remember talking to you back when... You know, it just looked so bleak, didn't it, for everything? It did, it did. And, you you know, sometimes when you think back that music is such a solace for people and yet while we tried to do things online, we couldn't deliver them in person at a time that really very many of us would wanted to have been surrounded by music, by the escapism that it brings to us all, the comfort that it brings to us. And we just weren't allowed. And as musicians, as promoters, we were suddenly in this position of we don't know what to do. It's so unusual. It's it's not common for us to be sitting idle, not planning something. And yet as the pandemic went on and there was no sense of, well, it's only going to be a couple of weeks or a couple of months. You know, we really had no idea how to plan for or when we would plan what would happen, what wouldn't happen. And then to return gradually was great. But that, that stop start, you know, is something going to happen? And, and you know, Jerry, from talking to me over the years, these concerts don't just happen mm. overnight. They take months, years in some cases to put together and then big events get postponed and then you're trying to match diaries and some concerts come back and some never do. You know, you lose opportunities. But, you know, the future is looking optimistic and here as we go into 22, 23, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to deliver all eight concerts between September and April without interruption, Mm. without any reason to not have them and get back to being available to audiences, being there for people to experience and to love 
live music. Yeah, because it is to be loved. You know I'm a great fan and when I can get there, I can't always get there. I do so enjoy what you do. In a way, you know the, the song, is it like starting over? Because you mentioned there, number one, the, the schedules of the wonderful performers and that you've lined up. You know, you, that has to be aligned. But you know, for you, that stop-start thing and, you know, you started this and built it up. Mm-hmm. Are, are you really at that again? In a sense, yes. You know, when I think back to the very early days of the first season when we were having 50 and 60 people coming to concerts and thinking well this is very exciting it's something new and then you know over the years it gradually built up and you know we were in seasons where there was packed houses sold out in advance Mm. concerts Mm. and not to say that I ever became complacent about it because you can't but there was a sense that you know Drogheda has really built a name for classical music now audiences are familiar with it artists are familiar and then the pandemic happens and everything becomes unfamiliar And when we started back up, obviously and naturally, people were cautious. Mm. And if you think about the age profile generally of of people who come to concerts, they were the ones that felt most vulnerable or had to make choices between whether to go out to a concert or go and see a family member or take a hospital appointment or whatever your personal reasons might be. So there were big choices to be made and and we couldn't assume that everybody will come rushing back to music. Mm. But it, it gradually headed in that direction and I'm optimistic and very, very hopeful ah. for, for the coming months ahead. We, we are all hopeful and, and we're all very positive about it. And I look at your lineup four before Christmas, four after Christmas as well, and you have done marvellous, may I say, to attract the calibre of performer and in particular I have to give her a shout out because you know I just love her Tara Erard <laughs> is back it's in the new year oh I can't wait for that one but I have to say let's begin and just talk about this one today the first one is on Friday the 30th of September and this is really special this is special when I, I say that you know concerts get planned in advance this one has been in the planning since about 2017 it was postponed uh, because of Covid but also to try and get an ensemble like Chamber Choir Ireland. They are ferociously busy choir. Um, they're professional ensemble, 16 voices. And, <clears throat> you know, y- you could go and listen to some of the many fantastic choirs in this town. And in fact, members of Chamber Choir Ireland are going to the ladies of the Voices of the Boyne and into Drogheda Male Voice Choir to do some workshops with them. But the power of 16 professional singers. I I don't even know how I can put into words what this is going to sound like. This Tchaikovsky piece to me is simply breathtaking. It's from the Russian Orthodox Mass, whether you are spiritual, religious or not at all. It is beyond me how you would not be moved by this music. It is just outstanding, really beautiful, a work that I have adored since I first heard it. Back in the early 2000s, I remember the RTE Philharmonic Choir were singing some of it as an exercise in choral singing. And then I listened to the whole thing and I thought, this is this is just mm. amazing. And when I started the series, I always I would sit in the church at each concert. And I think to myself, what could we do in here? What will we do? What was and I remember thinking, wouldn't that just be magnificent? Mm. And I re- I I know I get enthusiastic about all the concerts, <laughs> but this one, I am just so looking forward to it. It's going to be special. And of course, we all feel, we always talk about the acoustics of the church, the r- wonderful piano that's there and everything that goes along with it. But the, these 16 voices, I can just, you know, imagine it in my mind's eye today. So this is the 30th of September. How do you book this? Is there a season ticket available? What's the story? There is a season ticket available for €150. So that gets you access to all eight concerts, uh, plus all the activities as part of Tara's weekend. And that's a three day event, four day, in fact, event in January. So there's a lot on offer for that €150 or each concert is available for €20 or 18 concession. And tickets are available through our website via Drihid. Dot com is the simplest way. Our partnership with Drehid Art Centre, or you can go in person, drop into the Art Centre, or call them and book your tickets that way. There may be tickets available on the door, but it's always easiest just oh, to book in advance. It's best to book, and it gives everybody an idea of what's what, and and it's easier for for uh, the people running the event as well, Pauline and and our people too. So if you can book it all, Drehid D R O I C H E A D Drehid dot com, uh, or you can drop into the Drehid Centre uh, in. 
in uh, Stockwell Street in Drogheda and they look after you there and there may be walk-ins on the night so you've got to put that date in your calendar it's coming up very soon Friday the 30th Chamber Choir Ireland and I can just see uh, the child in you the childlike enthusiasm and I understand how long you've been waiting to make this happen so we've got to fill this Church of Ireland it's in the beautiful St Peter's Church of Ireland looking out over the town at Drogheda at night time there it's just superb I've been there myself I love it I treasure every memory I have for going there to see the various uh, artists you brought there over the years and I can't wait for it myself to restart so Friday the 30th kicks it off then October and November December before Christmas and then January Taurus here January, February, March and April uh, concludes the series into next spring I think that season ticket's great value I think it offers great value too it's uh, it's a great support to the arts it's an easy commitment to make it means that you're not worrying but can I get a ticket you're done they're booked and all you have to do is turn up Show up on the night and you'll be welcomed with open arms and we'll be touching in and out of the series over the uh, next number of months this year and early next but for the moment 13th September is the day it all begins Pauline Ashwood Director of Drogheda Classical Music thank you so much for joining me on the show thank you Jerry. take care that's our lot on late lunch for this Thursday afternoon we're coming to you live from Nanny's in Dulique tomorrow so if you're around that area drop in and say hello myself and Louise will be there and we have a stellar lineup. we're going to hear about the Nanny Fest with Robert Lynch the man who's made nannies happen Cathy Mara pharmacist is dropping in Sharon Kyogen will be there the Boyne Ballet Academy and Michelle Flynn will have a word with us and more besides tomorrow afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. We'll see you for the final late lunch live from Nanny's in the League tomorrow afternoon from half one. Have a nice evening. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.